You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The message has been clear, consistent, and insistent. People need to maintain social distance, six feet, two meters, to help stop the spread of COVID-19. But we keep seeing countless examples of that simple rule being ignored. So now the city of Vancouver is threatening fines and more closures to help keep us apart. Paul Johnson joins us live with our top story tonight. And Paul, new actions are being considered. Yeah, that's right, Colleen. They're considering bigger fines for businesses that are in non-compliance. And here's a first, possibly fines for individuals. The mayor was very unhappy with the behavior he saw some Vancouverites were displaying over this weekend. And he says the time for asking nicely is over. First the indoors, now the outdoors. City workers using heavy equipment Sunday to gather up and move the logs that people gather on on Vancouver's Kitsilano Beach. A few meters away, crews had already removed the hoops from the basketball courts. All of this part of sweeping new restrictions to outdoor recreation spots across the province. From the Stowamis Chief near Squamish to Quarry Rock Trails in North Vancouver. The closures are spreading as officials opt not to leave it up to people to carry out social distancing. This weekend, I saw reports of people hosting house parties, having group picnics on the beach, playing soccer, playing beer pong. Beer pong. Saturday's sunny weather in Vancouver apparently brought out so many scoff laws that it came up at a national press conference in Ottawa. While the city does not currently have the power to fine individuals for non-compliance of social distancing, the city manager told Global News staff are exploring how to get those powers on the books if need be. It's pretty reasonable. It's pretty well warranted, I would say. I feel like the wind kind of blows it away, maybe, and like we're not touching like the same surfaces because of the sand. No one we spoke with Sunday said they were intentionally flouting the social distancing rule. If they were closer than that, at any given moment, they say they felt comfortable because they were in the open air. Others told us they were families or couples who shared a bed and didn't see how the protocol would do much while they were enjoying the beach. Though most understood how it might make some nervous. I think it'll get worse, um, especially like for us, it won't affect us that badly because like we're young, but I know it kills old people at a much higher rate. So I think they have a right to be worried. Some were seen following the rules precisely. These two could very well be Vancouver's poster men for social distancing. So we have a new list of closures here in the city of Vancouver, and these are probably going to be mirrored by most cities and municipalities across the province. They're going to be shutting down parking at the major parks, open spaces and beaches. They're also going to be closing all of the recreational facilities, so that's tennis courts, soccer fields, rugby pitches, etc. Now, they're still saying that they want people to be able to go down to the parks. They're going to remain open, but they really want people to be observing social distancing. And they say if they don't get to 100% compliance or the medical situation changes, their next step is going to be a complete shutdown of non-essential activity in the city of Vancouver. Cities in the United States so far have taken that step. Here, they have not. They hope they don't have to take that 
But that's what we have next. Colleen? All right. Thanks for that, Paul. They have become important and eye-catching players in the frequent public briefings being held during this crisis. The sign language interpreters who share the messages from political and healthcare leaders with the hearing impaired. Well, now they're having to invent new signs to communicate new concepts like social distancing. Communication is just as important as every other part of this response. So this is Ava Hawkins, our sign language interpreter. And today she taught me that there are actually new signs that have been invented, that have been added to the language to communicate during the pandemic. So if you could show us the sign for coronavirus, please. And the sign for social distance. Poor Coquitlam is also closing all of its outdoor facilities. The new measures are in response to overcrowding at sports courts and fields and to reports they were still being used yesterday. Numerous other B.C. municipalities have also announced such closures, including New Westminster, which has closed its dog parks and artificial turf fields. Vancouver bylaw officers are making sure restaurants are abiding by the new takeout and delivery only rules. According to the city, authorities visited 600 establishments yesterday. 13 of them were not complying with provincial orders. Officials say most of those businesses say they were unaware the restrictions included outdoor spaces like patios, so they were issued warnings. And the provincial government has changed the rules allowing restaurants to deliver liquor products with the purchase of a meal. Reaction tonight to a strongly worded letter sent by a group of Royal Columbian hospitals, Royal Columbian hospital doctors, that is. It calls on Dr. Bonnie Henry to order the closure of all non-essential businesses to help fight the spread of COVID-19. Well, today, the president of the Doctors of BC sent her own letter urging physicians to stand behind the provincial health officer and reach out to their patients. Kristen Robinson has that story. This is our chance to alter the course of this epidemic. Stay united and follow the leader. The doctors of BC president coming out with a stern message after physicians at Royal Columbian Hospital called on the provincial health officer to introduce stricter measures to contain COVID-19 before it's too late. We need to make sure that there is a single source of truth that all doctors, all healthcare professionals, and all of the public can look to for direction. In a letter to members, Dr. Kathleen Ross urging physicians to reach out to their patients and the public and share Dr. Bonnie Henry's message. Self-isolation and maintaining social distance will save lives. If you're not going to do this for yourself, by all means, do it for those around you that you love. Many lives in our community depend on the actions that you take today. Some of us were feeling powerless um, at times, you know, seeing people outside, not complying with the recommendations. Dr. Gerald DeRosa says doctors now feel empowered to educate those not getting the message to stay home. I don't believe it. It's a hoax. Um, this doesn't apply to me. I'm young. I'm invincible. Unfortunately, um, this probably will involve some level of enforcement, some level of penalty that actually dissuades people from doing so. Dr. Ross sticking to message when asked if stronger containment measures are needed to stop young people from congregating and socializing. Again, we need to take our direction from the one person that is tasked with leading us through this crisis, and that is our public health officer.
but only if the public listens and acts now. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the Doctors of BC response. Keith. Yeah, Colleen, uh, very interesting. We're going to have our first encounter with Dr. Bonnie Henry over here tomorrow. Lots happening over here tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be interesting talking to her. Put, I think she'll be questions we'll put to her about what she thought about that doctor's letter. I think she's going to be heartened by the show of support from doctors of BC and indeed 300 other doctors posting on Instagram that uh, she, they agree with her uh, uh, recommendation that you stay home uh, if you can. Don't go out if you can uh, avoid it. So that's at 10 o'clock tomorrow. We'll, we'll be carrying that news conference live on BC1. We're going to get an update of the number of cases. I expect, unfortunately, probably more than 100 since we haven't had them for two days and they've been running about 70 new cases a day. Uh, so that's at 10 a.m. Then at noon tomorrow, we're going to have a big news conference with Premier John Horgan and Finance Minister Carol James in which they will outline the government's fiscal stimulus package to assist in the economy and a financial aid package for those most adversely affected by the crisis. I think there will be an emphasis on renters in particular, on tenants. And then finally in the afternoon, an extraordinary session of the BC legislature. Just a dozen MLAs are, are going to be in attendance. They're going to be sitting uh, two meters away from each other to pass a, a supply bill that gives the government authority to spend money. And you know, Colleen, uh, when it comes to social distancing, I think a better term is physical distancing. And we're going to be practicing that at the legislature tomorrow, folks. Uh, there's no scrums over here tomorrow. There's only going to be one pool camera uh, in the hallway and at those news conferences. Reporters likely will not be attending the news conferences for the most part. We'll be on using our phones and of showing up in person. And if we do show up, we're going to be uh, physically distant as well, at least two meters. So folks, pay attention to Dr. Bonnie Henry. She's got very good advice. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. When the federal government announced its more than $80 billion aid package last week, one of the details that got a lot of people's attention was a freeze on mortgage payments. At the time, Finance Minister Bill Morneau said the big six banks were all on board. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, when push comes to shove, the banks are making individual Canadians prove they need the help. Like everybody, Peter Kravchuk is worried about his financial future. The business income from a small rental building has evaporated. He's worried about paying the mortgage. He was stunned when he contacted his lender. The people at Envision Credit Union uh, still want to deal with this as if it's a normal situation, which means they want to ask me for rent rolls, uh, justification for why I need the, the deferral, uh, things like that. So the banks seem to be a little bit tone deaf. The federal government made the announcement last week. The Prime Minister told Canadians banks would allow for six months of payments to be deferred. And this weekend, the government doubled down. We know that the finance minister saying the program aimed at keeping Canadian households liquid. We've worked with banks. They've agreed to defer uh, the necessity for people to pay mortgage payments. That's going to be for people who have mortgages, but also for those landlords, that they will be able to defer mortgage payments, giving them some more breathing room. While the big banks and several credit unions have agreed to the plan, in real life it appears they are reluctant partners. The deferral isn't free. Banks will still charge interest and make borrowers cough up the missed payments down the road. Everyone who calls the bank isn't getting an automatic deferral either. Lenders are asking for people who are at the highest risk to be the ones calling in. So if you've lost your job, are unable to work, yes, call in. But if you were just trying to do this to invest otherwise, the lenders most likely will not be allowing you to defer. A week into this catastrophe, and banks still haven't gotten the memo about how bad it is for millions of Canadians. Peter Kravchuk. 
reminding these multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations that people only have so much to go around. And in my opinion, if you have a choice between paying the bank and paying for your food or, or medicine, it's not a choice at all. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. With fewer people using public transit, TransLink is reducing some service levels. C-Bus sailings will now depart every 15 minutes during the weekday rush hours instead of the usual 10. Bus routes, which have extra capacity, will have services reduced and there will be fewer SkyTrains running, so the wait between trains will be longer. Operating hours won't be affected. Last week, TransLink stopped collecting bus fares and said transit ridership during the COVID-19 outbreak had already fallen off by 52 percent. TransLink is telling passengers to check the trip planner before heading out. This weekend should have been a busy one for hotels, ski resorts, restaurants and tour attractions all over our province. But that demand has vanished. And as Jules Knox reports, those businesses are now joining so many others facing an uncertain future. As tourism has tumbled amid the COVID-19 crisis, waves of hotels have emptied and then shuttered their doors too. Brent Lavery, the general manager of Kelowna's recently closed Hotel El Dorado, says he's had to lay off the vast majority of his staff. My career has taken me through 9-11. It's taken me through SARS and the economic meltdown of 2008-2009. But this is unprecedented. The BC Hotel Association estimates that as more and more hotels start to close, there will be a 50 to 80 percent reduction in staff, resulting in tens of thousands of jobs being eliminated because of COVID-19. We have never seen anything like this before, and it is absolutely dire. Ingrid Jarrett also says that out of about 850 hotels in BC, 200 have already closed, and that number is expected to more than double within the week. If we don't save our summer, and if we don't flatten the curve, and if this isn't just a bad memory by June, I'm afraid that 30% of the businesses that are currently closed will not reopen. Manteo Resort, a business affiliated with the El Dorado, is keeping its doors open for now. So who's staying there? Lavery says it's mostly people dealing with family matters, like picking up an elderly parent from a care home or individuals in need of somewhere to self-isolate. As for what Lavery wants done to help the struggling hotel industry. I recently filled out a survey from the government saying, what can we do to assist your business? And I said, take care of our staff. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A doctor at Sun Peaks Resort has tested positive for the coronavirus. The Sun Peaks Health Centre confirmed the news in a statement on the resort municipality's website. The statement says Dr. Chip Bantock likely contracted the illness through a patient. He's recovering at home where he is in quarantine. Impacted patients have been notified. Sun Peaks Ski Resort closed for the season earlier this week. And have a look at this, another example of a social distancing fail. Global, a global viewer sent us these photos of a wedding underway at Crescent Beach in Surrey on Saturday afternoon. Several dozen people were in attendance and many of them stood close together. Delta police busted some scofflaw skaters at a closed skateboard park in North Delta today. Police Chief Neil Dubord tweeted that it was a busy afternoon for calls and that everyone must pay attention to the current public health order in B.C. 
The unprecedented times are causing some unprecedented takes uh, in or taking some unprecedented measures. Have a look. This was the scene at the Broadmead Thrifty Foods in Saanich earlier this week. One shopper taking extraordinary precautions, wearing what appears to be a full forensic suit and gas mask to select produce at the Greater Victoria Grocery Store. It has been one of the more disgraceful phenomenon we've been seeing during this COVID crisis. People bulk buying supplies, including medical items, then trying to resell them at a huge profit. Well, now some would-be profiteers have been slapped with a fine after they were caught selling surgical masks in a Port Coquitlam Park. Julia Foy has that story. This is the lowest of the low. We are in a crisis. Port Coquitlam Mayor Brad West is furious over something that happened in a quiet corner of the city on Saturday. I received a message from a resident that they observed uh, people who were selling masks at McLean Park. West said he immediately sent bylaw officers to the park and this is what they saw. A man and woman with a table open for business. My understanding is they made several posts to Chinese social media networking apps and told people that these were for sale, that they had them, and if they wanted them to come and meet them here. It was a tip from a resident that led officials to the park. Fortunately, they got there before the suspects disappeared. So we levied the maximum available fines to the city, so they were fined $500. And more importantly, we have forwarded the matter to the RCMP because there needs to be criminal accountability and consequences. In recent weeks, there have been several examples in B.C. of people bulk buying or hoarding and then selling the products online for a profit. On the bulk buying, uh, it's a mystery to me. I'm profoundly disappointed in people who are hoarding and then selling online. Despite assurances from several levels of government that our supply chains are strong, there are still cases of people buying more than they need and reselling, which could also be called profiteering. We're going to crack down on that pretty hard. There's no space for profiteering in a time of crisis. We want the better parts of our, our, our character to show through on days like today. West hopes the mask resellers will be held to account. And I hope to God that these people are held criminally responsible because we need to send a message not just here in Port Coquitlam but across the entire province. If a member of the public has a concern about profiteering, you're encouraged to reach out to your local government. This is a time when we're coming together to combat this virus, not a time for people to try and make a buck off of the suffering of their fellow citizens. Julia Foy, Global News. There are many animals in need during this pandemic, and that's why the BC SBCA is reducing its adoption fees to open up spaces at its shelters across the province. Starting tomorrow, fees will be cut by 50% to find as many loving homes as possible for animals in care. If you're interested in adopting, you're being encouraged to go online and fill out a form to avoid coming into the shelter in person. The fee reduction is in effect until March 27th. One Okanagan neighborhood has come up with a unique way to come together while staying apart. The homeowners on Neptune Road in Kelowna are turning their windows into fun displays full of silly faces, encouraging words, jokes, flowers and animals. The idea is to spread a little cheer and make a connection between neighbors when both are limited at this time. I think this is good because people are able to connect um, even though they can't be right next to each other, doing this, it just shows that, hey, we're all in it. And we're all 
you know, going to be doing okay. Why not? It's a fun thing to do. We're going through, you know, a bit of a scary time. And how does it make you feel to see these faces? Good. Good. I, I just love it. Nice. The Neptune Road residents hope their display inspires other neighborhoods to do something similar to cheer each other up in these uncertain times. It's been almost three decades since Michael Donahue disappeared, and this year's Keep Hope Alive run went virtual due to the COVID-19 epidemic. Hey, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bruce and Crystal Donahue completing the usual route at a safe distance from other participants. People were encouraged to keep their social distance and practice a safe six, staying two meters apart. But many others did the annual walk remotely, sharing their photos on social media. Tuesday marks 29 years to the day Michael vanished from a Victoria playground. He was just four years old. Today, he'd be 33. Michael's disappearance sparked one of the largest police investigations in Canadian history. Victoria police have received more than 11,000 tips in the cold case. The COVID-19 has kind of taken away from how we're feeling, but deep down it's still there. Like I, you stop and take a, take a breather and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's still there. It's not, it's not going away anytime, anytime soon, so we're just going to. Wait and, it's just the wait and see. We still don't know where Michael is or what's happened. So it just sort of puts that message out there even stronger that uh, as a family we're not giving up. Victoria Police continue to investigate with new advancements in forensics and technology. The department has a dedicated tip line for anyone with information about Michael's disappearance. Calls for Canadians to stay home and physically away from each other are growing stronger tonight as the COVID-19 death toll continues to rise. More provinces are now threatening fines for those who don't comply and placing restrictions on travel within Canada. Morgan Campbell has the latest. It doesn't matter which part of Canada you live in. The message from coast to coast is clear. Respect social distancing and self-isolate if you have traveled domestically or internationally. Asking them and recommending them, and I am hoping that we don't have to get to ordering them. The Prime Minister says the country is not yet at a point in which MPs would be asked to enact emergency legislation that would force people to stay home. Outside of his residence in Ottawa today, Trudeau told reporters what the House of Commons will do when it reconvenes on Tuesday. That's passed legislation that would help to ease the financial burden the novel coronavirus is having on Canadians and businesses from coast to coast. There is no one measure that is going to be sufficient to get us through this situation. Provinces are taking varying measures to help curtail the spread of the virus. The New Brunswick government has set up a phone line for people who have concerns about others not complying with provincial state of emergency orders. While the Premier of Nova Scotia declared a state of emergency Sunday after residents were caught blatantly ignoring the need for social distancing. We cannot uh, allow a small percentage who choose to do as they wish in our province to put at risk the health of the rest of us. In Quebec, all shopping malls, restaurant, dining rooms and salons have been ordered to close until at least May 1st. With more than 1,400 positive cases of the virus, the death toll across Canada continues to rise. Ontario announced two more COVID-19 related deaths, bringing the death toll across the country to 20. Premiers across the country are urging Canadians 
to distance themselves. And anyone caught not doing so could face penalties depending on where you live. Those penalties could range from fines to having your vehicle towed if caught in a provincial park. Morgan Campbell, Global News. More than 400 Canadians are now in isolation for the next two weeks after arriving back from Morocco. The group landed at Montreal's Trudeau Airport early this morning. The federal government arranged the pickup after Morocco cancelled all flights in and out of the country. Canada will send two additional flights to Morocco this week for more stranded Canadians. And the Foreign Affairs Minister also announced the federal government is working on getting more repatriation flights to seven other countries. The U.S. now has the third highest number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in the world. Only Italy and China have more. More than 32,000 Americans have tested positive. At least 400 have died. More than half of those deaths occurred in two states, New York and Washington. Jennifer Johnson has more on the struggle south of the border. With the number of cases of COVID-19 rising rapidly in the U.S., one in four Americans has been ordered to stay home. And now officials in the hardest-hit areas face another setback, a severe shortage of COVID-19 tests. States like New York and California have been forced to limit tests for only the most ill and healthcare workers. If the president doesn't act, people will die who could have lived otherwise. Early Sunday evening, U.S. President Donald Trump declared Washington state a disaster area, agreed to send the U.S. naval ships mercy and comfort to New York and Los Angeles, promised millions more masks, tests and other life-saving supplies, and says he will deploy the National Guard to the three hardest-hit states. Our goal is to get relief to Americans as quickly as possible so that families can get by and small businesses can keep workers on the payroll. Officials in states with the highest number of cases warn without additional supplies from the government, they'll run out by early April. Nurses and doctors fearing for their lives. This is the first time in my career I've been a little scared for my own personal health and safety. Businesses fearful too. Empty stores in downtown Manhattan are boarding up to prevent looters. There's not going to be no one in the city allowed to walk around, so the city is going to be empty. So the people that are taking advantage to break into the stores. As Rand Paul becomes the first U.S. senator to test positive for the virus, Congress is working on a trillion-dollar-plus economic aid package. Lawmakers hammering out the details all weekend. We need to get the money into the economy now. If we do that, we think we can stabilize the economy. And, uh, you know, I think the president has every expectation that this is going to look a lot better four or eight weeks from now. The White House hopes the president can sign the bill Monday so the government can help most Americans survive this crisis, at least economically. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Italy has reported another sharp increase in coronavirus deaths, another 651 recorded there. As NBC's Matt Bradley reports, the country has now increased restrictions. Yeah, as you can see, I'm here on the absolutely deserted streets of Rome, right in the heart of the Italian capital's tourist district. And it's been this way for more than a week. And that's because there's been actually new rules imposed on this lockdown. Last night, the Italian Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conte, came out and said that all non-essential industries and businesses nationwide would now be shuttered, at least for the time being. There would be further restrictions also in the northern Italian region of Lombardy, where two-thirds of the cases of coronavirus have been reported. Also in Spain, which is really rising very fast, their numbers are accelerating. They saw nearly 400 deaths in one day. So this is really spilling over into other parts of Europe, as Europe has already become the epicenter 
this massive crisis. Now, one last thing. Placido Domingo, the famous opera singer, reported that he was actually tested positive for this disease. But like so many people, he said that he hasn't been experiencing very harsh symptoms at all. So many people are walking around without that many symptoms. And that's one of the reasons why this disease is so pernicious and spreading so quickly. Matt Bradley, NBC News, Rome. German Chancellor Angela Merkel is in self-quarantine after a doctor who treated her tested positive for COVID-19. Merkel was treated by the doctor just before speaking to the German public. She was informed of the diagnosis afterwards. The German government has now been put into place new rules limiting the size of any public gathering to just two people. That rule will be in force for at least two weeks. At least one person has been killed after a large earthquake struck Croatia earlier today. The 5.4 magnitude quake struck the northern capital of Zagreb in the middle of the night as strict new measures come into effect to combat the coronavirus threat. Several buildings have been damaged. Many people have been sent into the streets as crews dig through the debris. A 15-year-old did not survive their injuries. It's unclear how many others have been hurt. The creative way one couple in New York City got married during this pandemic. We're going to have that story for you right after Yvonne gives us the forecast. <laughs> Yvonne, uh, not a bad day, but certainly did see a bit of a turn. Yes, a bit of a transition day, and we are going to see a very different weather picture as we look ahead towards tomorrow. Here's overlooking English Bay. Early this morning, we had a few bright spots, but we are going to see a much grayer day, so a heads up. And we have been advertising some rain, and I'll outline what that means in just a moment. Temperatures are sitting at 9. We've got a south easterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. Here's a beautiful shot and a couple of photos that were captured over the weekend. This was at Salt Spring Island, so thank you so much, Kim. A very calming photo and a stunning shot of the sun, so thank you so much, Andrew, for sending that one in. We bumped up to 11 today. The average for this time of the year sits closer to 10, so right where we should be. It was very pleasant, comfortable. A few spots in the interior also getting into the double digits in the northeastern corner of the province today, topping out at the freezing mark. Overnight, we'll see temperatures dip down to 4 degrees, and that's all start to see some showers rolling in. It'll continue through the day tomorrow, so mainly cloudy with on and off showers. It won't be much in terms of precipitation, but it will be an unsettled day, and temperatures will be a touch cooler as we bump up to 9 degrees. Here's the moisture that we have been tracking and the weather maker that's pushing in from the northern half of the province, so we will see unsettled conditions through the day tomorrow. The interior will be included within that, and then it breaks up quite quickly. It's a quick-moving system. Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll likely get into some bright spots once again. Northeastern corners the province, the winds will pick up with a few flurries, gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. White horse of the partly cloudy sky also seeing gusts. We are seeing some flurries on the way for Tuesday. North coast, a nice break today. It was a wet one, but we are going to see two dry days and the potential for some rain moving in, but it'll be late on the day on Wednesday. And most areas across the caribou and central interior, flurries and then changing over to showers. Gusty winds tomorrow, northerly up to 50 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenai may still hang on to a few isolated showers. Temperatures, however, very pleasant. Double digits up to 10 degrees. And the tops in Okanagan will see a few isolated showers. Temperatures will be up to 10 degrees. And then it really does start to brighten up. Sunshine for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Whistler, cold enough for the morning that we could see flurries. And then it'll change over to showers. 
Thursday, it'll be very, Tuesday, it'll be very similar just for the early morning hours and then a break once again on Wednesday. Across the island, we'll be seeing some on and off showers. Temperatures will be up to 9 degrees. It's Tuesday, Wednesday. That'll brighten up. Five-day forecast, we are going to be looking at an unsettled day for tomorrow. So heads up, we will see windy conditions, especially for the morning, and then it does start to brighten up. A break is on the way for both our Tuesday, Wednesday, and then looking ahead towards Thursday, could be soggy again, but it's really Tuesday, Wednesday that are the brightest of the brunch. All right, I wanted to end off tonight with a photo of my healthcare hero. My friend Heather sent me this today, and it's my friends Amir and his son Noah. He's just about to go to work, and Noah's giving him a big hug. I just wanted to say we're all in this together, so please stay at home, wash your hands, wipe your cell phones down too. Um, this is a great shot, so thank you so much, Noah, Sophia, Heather, as well as Amir. Colleen. Oh, absolutely adorable. Poor little guy. Thank you. All right. New York is the hardest hit city in the U.S. right now as part of its <clears throat> excuse me, shutdown. The marriage bureau has closed, but that didn't stop one couple from proceeding with their nuptials in a rather unconventional way. Neighbors and members of the Bennett Avenue community, we are gathering here with holy matrimony. I'm wearing my clergy ID tag, so it's official. Amanda Wheeler and Riley Jennings turned to their friend to officiate from his fourth floor apartment window in Manhattan. The pair attracted a crowd on the street, everyone, of course, keeping their social distance. As you have consented to be united in the bonds of matrimony, and you have exchanged your wedding vows before all of those present today, <laughs> oh, Barry, love the time of COVID-19. I just love a, a nice love story wedding. Uh, I love that. <laughs> Great. What have you got coming up? Uh, well, we actually have, I know you guys love saying this, we've got breaking news going on. Uh, it involves the Olympics, of course, uh, the Olympics in Tokyo, that uh, Olympic committee there has been steadfast that they're going to go on with this uh, despite what's been going on in the world. But the Canadian Olympic Committee moments ago said, Canada will not send a team unless they postpone the Olympics by one year. So that is just coming out now. And with the domino effect that we've seen during, uh, is certainly involving sports, when, when one team makes a move, sometimes you'll see others follow. So maybe this will put on some pressure. But we'll update you on that situation. And as far as kind of having some fun today, it involves the Canucks and their public address announcer, Al Murdoch. So that's all coming up. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Many communities are stepping up to help support those frontline workers in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. And just days after the COVID Emergency Response Fund was created by the Burnaby Hospital Foundation, tens of thousands of dollars have already been donated to help buy equipment and provide accommodation for those who are saving lives. Behind the scenes in hospitals across the province, healthcare workers are putting in grueling hours, sacrificing time with their own loved ones as they work to protect and save all of ours. It's a tough job for them right now, and we want to make sure that they have everything that they need. Now the Burnaby Hospital Foundation is getting a much-needed boost from the community it serves. After putting out a call for donations last week for its staff on the front lines with the COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund, the response already overwhelming. I have been overwhelmed. We're well over... Um, 
about 100 donations in the last couple of days, which has been fantastic. Tens of thousands of dollars in urgently needed medical supplies have already been donated. $60,000 worth of gloves, gowns and goggles, along with another $60,000 in funding for a new ventilator from Alexander College. The supplies we uh, actually originally bought, uh, the plan was to send them to China, but uh, just the way events unfolded, it turned out that these supplies would be better used uh, locally. So we redirected them to the, to the hospital. Of course, those working with COVID-19 patients are risking exposure, and therefore many are isolating themselves from their families. That's where another offer for accommodation has come from a local hotel, now close to customers. We host some uh, of the big events, and also we use some uh, personal connections to locate like uh, people who are willing to make the donation uh, happening uh, like in Burn- uh, to Burnaby Hospital. This outpouring of support likely just the beginning as British Columbians band together, helping the frontline workers, helping all of us. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And if you'd like to make a donation to the Burnaby Hospital Foundation, head to their website, bhfoundation.ca. Well, some young women in the Tri-Cities are working tirelessly to help those who can't leave their homes during the pandemic. They set up a phone line for those in need to reach out. As some people don't have access to the Internet, the phone line is there to support them by taking orders for groceries, supplies, or even just a friendly person to talk to. We're at lower risk and, you know, we try to social distance as much as we can. But like when we have to go to the grocery store, it's super easy to help someone else and pick up some things for other people as well. We need volunteers. We need people who can donate money. We need all the support that we need. If you have canned foods, if you have extra, um, call us. We'll be able to come pick it up. Somebody needs a hand. Like we all need to kind of chip in right now. North Shore Home Services is offering to use their trucks and staff to pick up and deliver prescriptions and groceries. And a number of customers have taken them up on their offer. The owner is ensuring staff take every health precaution and keep their spirits up during this challenging time. I've made phone calls to all my employees. Each one, where you're at, how, you know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How's your money situation? Tell me exactly. You have three months, you know, how's your food situation and what's your worry and, and let's talk it through and, and you know, figure out a, a solution to your worry, really. Barry's here with a look at sports and Barry, it's funny, I've been waiting for this breaking news. That's right, we finally have some movement from the Olympic movement. Uh, thanks, Colleen. The Canadian Olympic Committee sent out a statement just a few moments ago saying it is refusing to send a team to Tokyo unless the games, which are scheduled to start on July 24th, are pushed back by 12 months. Now, pretty much every sports league and championship event on the planet is on hold while the world attempts to get a hold on the spread of the COVID-19 virus. The one exception has been the 2020 Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo, where organizers have said they plan on being ready to host the games as scheduled in late July. But today, the IOC set a mid-April deadline to announce a decision on the fate of the game. So the IOC held a conference call today. 
they have ruled out canceling the games outright. The Japanese uh, president also mentioning that. They are in the process, though, of examining scenarios for the games to go ahead as scheduled, but to be pushed back from that July 24th starting date. But how long is anyone's guess right now? They are the summer games. So if they don't do it in the two to three months that might allow them to do that, maybe they're looking at that year. And with Canada's announcement today, I expect that will put some pressure on them. Uh, Don't forget athletes aren't training at facilities or taking part in competitions to get them sharp for the games, not to mention all the logistics to bring people in from all over the world to pull off an event of this magnitude under unprecedented health conditions. We'll find out the IOC's next move in about a month or maybe sooner. Well, it's only been 12 days since the last Canucks game, but it seems like 12 weeks. I'm really liking, though, how people are getting creative to help boost spirits during this crisis, including Canucks public address announcer Al Murdoch, one of the best in the NHL. You may not hear him announce an Elias Pettersson goal for a little while, but you could hear your own name. We'll let Al explain. Thanks for sending in your personalized goal announcement request. Remember, I'm doing one a day, with the exception of Hattrick Thursday, when I do three, Vancouver goal scored by number eight, Conrad Turkin. He's hoping this will be a way to boost the spirits of everyone uh, missing the Canucks in this uh, hockey season. You can put in your personalized goal announcement request to Al Murdoch through his Instagram, Twitter or TikTok. Love that. I love that, too. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Al. And he's, he, Al could read the phone book. He's just got those pipes, you know, those announcer pipes. Uh, so make, makes us all feel a little safer somehow. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Perry. All right. Well, we know a lot of you are feeling a little bit stir-crazy right now staying at home, so we wanted to show you how some others are dealing with that situation. An Israeli opera singer brought comfort to her quarantined father by singing to him outside his apartment in Tel Aviv. Irit Stark sang an improvised performance of Habanera from Bizet's Carmen, while her father looked on from his second-story balcony. The performance delighted her father and brought some of her neighbors to tears. I was driving by with my son on the bicycle and then I said to him, let's say hello to grandma and grandpa who are in quarantine. And uh, then I said, why won't we just sing a serenade to them just like grandpa sang to grandma when they were young. Her father, Michael Stark, has been in uh, coronavirus-related isolation since returning from a trip to Europe. More and more musicians are taking to social media these days to spread messages of encouragement right now. Neil Diamond is using one of his most popular songs to spread the message of social distancing. Have a listen. Hands, washing hands, <laughs> reaching out, don't touch me, I won't touch you. Ah, Neil. Diamond says he recognizes we are all going through a tough time right now, but he says if we sing together, maybe we'll all feel a little bit better. Social media has been used as a powerful tool for many people in isolation, and Diamond is the latest of several musicians to bring entertainment to you, to your screen, so that you can feel a little bit better. I love that. I love it. It's very catchy as well. Yeah. 
Very catchy. All right, final look at your five-day forecast. We are going to be seeing a few showers popping up for tomorrow. It'll be on and off, windy, especially for areas closer to the water in the morning. And then rebounding, it'll be nice once again on our Tuesday, Wednesday. Awesome. Thanks so much. That is Global News at 6 for now. Jordan will be here at 11, and you can get the latest news anytime on BC1 and on our website. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night and stay healthy.